This is the Marty Ray Project Chats, and I'm Marty Ray, one of the hosts of this podcast. You might know me from a beard video, a prank call, a rap song turned acoustic cover, or hopefully one of my original albums. And I'm Chris Wallen. You might know me from... Where would they know me from again? You might know Chris from number one hit songs like Don't Blink by Kenny Chesney and Something to Be Proud of by Montgomery Gentry. Whether you know either one of us or not, I bet you're going to have fun here. Welcome to the project. Download, subscribe, and rate, whether you love it or not. Sound supplied by Roadcaster Pro. He's a songwriter and a singer and a piano player decorated with a ton of accolades and awards and deserves all our adulation for his boogie-woogie fingertips. Awards like Band of the Year, Most Played Album of the Year, B.B. King Entertainer of the Year, Number One Billboard Blues Album. That's a mouthful. Number One Billboard Blues Album. And even a Grammy nomination, just to name a few, recently won the Blues Music Award for Instrumentalist. Well-deserved indeed. He likes to cook and he likes to eat too, even though he looks like he weighs a whole nother person less than he used to. My buddy, the legend, Victor Wainwright. My guy. Hey, man. So nice to be here. Thank you so much. for. I'm doing great, man. Yeah, coming out. That, we're honored that you would drive over here. Uh, three thousand miles he drove. Wow, man! Three thousand miles. Basically, uh, the, another hemisphere. Yeah, away from Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> he actually lost the weight on his way here. Yeah, that's wow. actually he was. It yeah. was just four rib bones worth of a drive. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even recognize it when he walked in. I was like. Victor, <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been traveling a long time. <laughs> um, Victor, can you make love to that microphone when you talk to us? Oh yeah, absolutely. Now we talking. <laughs> um, we start every show with a fast five. We ask you five quick questions, All and right. we ask for five quick answers. Sounds good. You ready? I'm doing my best. Favorite style of food? Fast food. <laughs> fast. I never thought I about like that. that. Yeah, no, like everything's that. fast. I never I like about that. First thing that comes to mind. The, that's that addiction talking. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite fast food restaurant? Oh man. Okay, so now we're getting now we're getting harder because I have a few favorites. Uh, my favorite lately is is McDonald's in the morning. If I'm on the road now, we're talking about you know touring. That's what I've done most mm-hmm. of my whole past ten years is touring. So in the morning, McDonald's, but I don't, I throw away the, the bread. You know, I just eat the, the sausage, egg, and cheese. It's been my little thing. But right. Starbucks, I like Starbucks. You know, I start morning off with some coffee, some cold brew, get going, you know. Egg bites. I love egg bites, Dude, man. Those I'm, are great. I live off egg bites all the time. They're Ew. great. Starbucks. Ew. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know. Dunkin' Donuts all the way. But here, but what what, what I'm talking about is when I say you say what's your favorite food, and in in my mind immediately I say fast food, and I start thinking about it. What's your favorite fast food, McDonald's? And then I'm starting to think myself, you know, this is this is that addiction. This is that thing we're talking about. These are this is what led me to be 425 pounds. You said it in the intro. Now I look like a different person. You know, that's that automatic. Say the first thing that comes to your mind. That's not my favorite food. My favorite food is actually barbecue, and I love to cook, and I love to smoke, and Mm -hmm. I love to grill. Oh yeah. That makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I do love fast food, too. I do, oh, yeah. too, man. Anybody fat loves fast food. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like cheese. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man. I love Mr. Nothing, cheese. Nothing is – I like cheese on apple pie. I, do. I heard that's a I thing. Like, I like cheese it is a soup. Thing. I, hadn't, I hadn't gone there yet. I've seen – I yeah. know people who do it, but I hadn't gone there yet. I'll I tried do it for you at the Waffle House. 
They'll Would put it? a piece of American cheese right on the apple pie, stick it on the uh, griddle top, and put steam it with a lid. Yeah. They also do, do that. Right uh, uh, any Waffle House you go to, you can actually have them do. Uh, ask them to do a piece of pecan pie grilled with butter. Ooh. Mm. Oh no! And, and they. <laughs> you know what's funny is. Let me tell you. Let me tell, oh, let, let me tell you what they do. And it's it's probably the same thing that the, uh, you're talking about. You put it on. Um, Put the, a big globule of butter on top mm. of it, and you get ice, mm-hmm. and they put, put it, it on, on the grill, and they go like that, and the ice hits the grill, yeah, and girl. it steams it, and that butter steams it. Oh, my God. Ooh, I um, bet it's good. God, yes. Let me I, tell you I, something about I, a pecan I, pie and putting <laughs> butter on top of it. A lot of butter went into making the pecan pie itself. Like, oh, it I takes know, a lot of butter it wanted to more. make the pecan pie. It wanted more, Marty. Still sucks it up. You know, but that's funny. That's funny, though. You know what we, we used to do as kids? We used to take Nutty Buddies uh-huh. and put butter on top of those Ooh, and yeah. put them in a the microwave. When really? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, man. I remember as a kid. Honey buns, too. Oh, honey called, bun makes sense. Yeah. Put butter right on it. And it was a country crock or something nice like that. Oh, it's a nice like, you know, spread. I, you <laughs> already know when it came out of the fridge, I'm like, oh, here comes country crock. You can put that on bread anywhere. Here I wanted comes a, country crock. I kind of wanted a T-shirt. Is that know? how you want? I could be that guy. Going, spread it on the sandwich. You could put grapes on it at that point. It oh, don't matter. It, it don't matter. matter. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Definitely some Doritos. That light bread. Dipping Doritos in the country crock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can Thanks t- for the dip, Mama. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> All right, Lincoln or Cadillac? Cadillac. My man. He said that because there's a Cadillac out there. You want to offend nobody. That's right. No, my granddaddy owned a Cadillac his whole life. You know what he used to say? He said, "Don't wait till you're dead to ride in the Cadillac." That's what he used to always <laughs> that sound say. Sound like a commercial, doesn't it? Your dad should. <laughs> I mean, my granddad should be on a good. And you know what? Ride. I own his. I have his Cadillac right now. Even though oh he's passed, gosh, I have really? his Cadillac in my driveway right now. It's covered up. A 1980, wow. 83 uh, Gold Key Edition Cadillac. It was the only car he he bought. One of the only cars he bought new. Wow, it's man, Cadillac. Ooh, what is it? Is it El Dorado? What is it? Uh, it's a four door Deville. Just nice. Uh, it's got a, a like a tan a leather top. Uh, it's real beautiful, man. Man, love that. Is that on a cover of an album or something that you got? No, no, not yet. Maybe man. I should do it. Too. I know. Yeah, it would already been on. It's been yeah. on every one of mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just always in the background. <laughs> Cadillac was the first record. Cadillac two. <laughs> that would have been my whole thing. I, I like. I love Cadillacs. All right, All right let's see. Um, biggest influence. My grandfather. Was he a Was he a musician? Yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah. Right on. He taught me how to play piano. Right my grandfather. Yeah. Did you say piano? piano? What's that? Yeah. Piano? Piano. 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 Yeah. I didn't hear that right. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell it was Victor for a minute. Uh, let's see. Favorite city other than Memphis? Savannah. Savannah, Georgia. Mm-hmm. You kind of let the molasses roll out your mouth Savannah. when you say Savannah. You know, down in Savannah. <laughs> Song you wish you'd written. So many of them. Uh, I really like the BB King, uh, the BB King song. Uh, I'd like to live the love. Yes, I'd like to live the love I sing about in my song. I love that I've song. I've always just loved that song, man. Yeah, it just came to me when you asked me, so that's what popped in my man. That's what I, I like that. With. I do too. I love. <laughs> I've never heard that one. But oh yeah, I need I to visit it. that one now. That's a good one. All right, so that was the fast five. You did great. All you did, right. You did great. Phew. Pressure off. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Um, Honky Tonk Boogie with a dose of Rolling Thunder. What a beautiful way to describe your music. And that's, that's what fine. the American Blues, those those poets over there at the American Blues Scene magazine said about you. Yeah. Is that is that accurate? You know, I what I'd like to do is just charge a my music that I write and, and produce with as much as much emotion as I possibly can. So Rolling Thunder or The Train, what I name my band, these these are just ways to describe what I hope people feel when they listen to it. And it's meant to be played loud. I want people to turn it up the way we produced it and mixed it. Is we paid attention to, to all those details. And I think uh, when people listen to the album, especially the new one and the old one too, um, it should feel that way. You know, like rolling thunder, uh, a, a dose at least. We're going to carry you through. We'll bring you back down and, and, and carry you back up. But, you know, it is a journey. We want to take you along with us. I like that. Yeah. Rolling thunder. Man. Y'all, we got we to gotta have a listening party after this. After yeah, no doubt. I like After it. he leaves. I want to hear some of this rolling thunder. I've heard you uh, live on some stuff a lot for like many times, you know, Yeah, heard you live on some stuff, but I've never, I can't say that I've ever, I don't know what songs are yours, which ones aren't besides the thank you, Lucille. Yeah. I was sure that you had written that one. Oh yeah, man. Which is a great song. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lucille, man. That was probably, that was our most played song off that record for sure. Hands down. And it was, you know, you ever get those emails where they tell you how many Shazams you got? Mm-hmm. Like I, I get that sometimes I'm just blown away People should zam me at all You know <laughs> But that song in particular Was just through the roof And that's how I could tell Really before anything else I said people are really Wanting to know Who's singing that song You know you could really tell And uh, it was a beautiful thing Man that was a real Kind of a That was a very real song for me Yeah man That's a good song too I appreciate it And uh, I, I got a I, I like B.B. King a lot He means a lot to me Um, I got a I need I got to know when, when did you, did you just, cause you said your grandfather played piano, right? Yeah, that's right. So you were playing from what, like what age? Three? Four? Yeah. I mean, by the time I was three or four, my, my dad set me on the piano with my grandfather. See, my dad played too. My grandfather uh, was a musician. He wanted his sons to play music and they played any instrument that he needed in the band at the time. So if he needed guitar, one of them needed to learn guitar, drums, bass. Mm, right. My dad played guitar and drums. My uncle played bass. My grandfather played guitar, pedal steel, and piano. Um, and they did, you know, a lot of honky-tonks, a lot of Jim Reeves covers. But they got into, like, Jerry Lee Lewis, the genuine rock and roll stuff that I play a lot of today uh, with that country influence, early country influence. Uh, it really, you know, right from the beginning, I was carrying amps or being set next to my grandfather, and he was an entertainer. So me as a toddler or a small child, of course, he's entertaining me with a very big thunderous left hand and, you know, <laughs> getting me to hammer up on top keys, you know, and getting me to just enjoy the music. And that's what it was always about for him was not about the notes that you played, but the intent behind the notes that you were playing. And that carried over into blues music for me, that concept. Man, he was very deep with it. Yeah, well, he was, man. You, it, and it wasn't described that way to me. It was just later in life that I realized You just felt that, that way. Yeah. Yeah. You've released seven albums or more than that? <laughs> I think it's, I, I'd go with seven. <laughs> seven with the new, because the new one's Memphis Loud. Memphis Loud, yes. Right? Yeah. Now, have you changed anything through the years as far as stylistically, or does, has it always been the same? No, I changed pretty drastically. With um, the first part of my career, it was with a band, The Wild Roots, and a partnership with The Wild Roots Records that I've helped form. And uh, the fella producing me, Stephen Dees, who also 
co-wrote uh, Thank You, Lucille. Uh, he and I worked closely together for over a decade, 10 plus years. With The Train, the album before last that I wanted to put out, I wanted my hand, I wanted to try producing it. I wanted to try producing and predominantly being the writer on all the songs, which up to that point I wasn't. I wasn't uh, the writer on all the songs and I wasn't uh, a producer at all. So I just wanted to change directions and have a little more control and give my hand at it, give it a shot. And um, it turned out all right. That was the album that we got the Grammy nomination for. So people really, really enjoyed it right away. Um, this album that we just put out during this whole crazy time is a, a follow-up album. And it's the same exact team from the one that I assembled from the train. So it's just basically the next chapter. You could listen to both albums and it's going to be the same band, same team, same engineers, same masters, awesome. everything. Yeah. It's really cool. So did you? So before <clears throat> the album previously to this one, you didn't write your own music, or your own songs? Previous to the, the album before this one. So I, I wrote all the songs on the train, which was the album right before this one, and all the songs on this album. But before that, I wrote about 50% of the material that I was putting out there. I, I did a lot of – I was learning. And I, uh, my partner – could write a better songs than I could uh, as well. Stephen D. wrote writes amazing, amazing music. He he goes way back too with being in. Uh, he was in the band Hall and Oates. Uh, he'd been mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. great songwriter, a uh, lot of accolades as well. And I was learning from him, and, and still do learn from him. In fact, we still work together and and have a project on the on the horizon coming up. Actually, nice. Yeah, Hall and Oates. Yeah, that's legendary. That is legendary. In fact, the project that we have coming up, uh, uh, those. Um, it's filled with those guys. Actually, one one of the songs that we're doing, um, uh, six, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, that classic country soul song. We decided to cover it, and uh, as the drummer from Hall Notes, we dedicated it to him. He's drumming on the on the song, um, so the family gets uh, out there uh, as far as like extended family and who we want to bring in to uh, with the records and with the songs and stuff. And that's one of those things with Stephen D. Is that connection that goes through, and those guys are still friends. And that's pretty pretty amazing that. Uh, John would agree to be on the track and sing, and, and and he does. He's on there too, singing backup for for Eddie, the drummer, who okay. passed away just recently. So we we did a dedication track to him uh, on the next little project for the Wild Roots coming up. Mm. Your music, the way you play and sing, reminds me of gospel that I grew up in. The kind of gospel I grew up listening to in my church. Did you was you raised in a Pentecostal church? No, I wasn't. I was raised in a Catholic church. It really? Yeah, exactly. It had, it had nothing to wow. do with it. Actually, my uh, I really got excited and moved by gospel music once I got into college. It wasn't until I moved away, actually, uh, from Savannah, Georgia, that I was I was filled with all this honky tonk boogie and all that genuine rock and roll music that I wanted to all of a sudden had access to something new and something different. Sort of like that relocation for me, moving down to to Florida from Savannah. All of a sudden, I had access to just a whole new horizon. I just opened different doors, and my style of playing opened a lot of doors for me because no one was really doing that in that town. But the best they could classify it was blues, so uh, that's the group I ended up with a whole bunch freshmen in college, you know, being it out of state. Uh, right. Oh, you play blues? Okay, oh, all right, cool. So we got together with a bunch of blues cats, and I started to learn more about the music. Uh, really went until freshman year of college that I really dove into uh, blues music and gospel music in particular and actually gospel really for me i connected with it first and went further with uh that style uh study and music um even before blues music mm. i love listening to early gospel uh, music of dixie hummingbirds i mean i can go all the way back but a fellow who actually picked me up and recognized some of my talent really early on his name was reverend billy c Wirtz, and actually he was a piano player 
but a comedian reverend in the oh, blues wow. world and he had a regular gig on the legendary rhythm and blues cruise on all these huge festivals and things but did would play these big theaters and and had a really great way of entertaining a crowd and explaining a story and connecting old gospel music with humor uh, saturday night to sunday morning concepts of blues to send to salvation sort of stuff mm -hmm. and uh he saw me playing a freshman in college said i want to take you on the road and actually he introduced me to the the majority of the gospel music that at that very moment I started to dive into and it was touring around in my grandfather's Cadillac, which I had at the time. And he and I smoking big cigars, just having a time of our lives. I'm in my early, early twenties. We would drive all the way to Ottawa, Canada and play the Ottawa blues fest all the way from Florida all over. And he'd just tell me nonstop stories about the Dixie hummingbirds or listen to this. He'd put this tape in this tape in. And that's where I got my affinity for that music for sure. What about Mahalia Jackson? You ever heard of her? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, she's my favorite. She hangs on my wall, actually. No kidding. In my office, yep. Well, yeah, my mama. I can understand why. Yeah. Yeah, my mama listened to her when I was a boy. Her, Shirley Caesar. Um, my mom had such a vast array of gospel music tastes. Like, she would listen to some Southern gospel, which was, like, really, like, stuff that you grew up on. oh yeah i grew up uh, yeah i was on a quartet and we did a, a whole southern gospel baptist you know I, I remember it's a whole whole story but uh we we pulled up to this church one time and uh we were about to get out and they started bringing snakes <laughs> out, oh, of, you, out of a van you tell me yeah <laughs> and i was like and my mom was like we're not going in there <laughs> <laughs> That's and they, they got really mad because we were supposed to she's like no, oh, no i got my son with me i'm not moving you know you were supposed to sing in that church the yeah. snake church yeah oh wow yeah, that's okay. not that's not typical Pentecostal churches though. People think that, but that's not. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. We didn't bring no, snakes in, let them bite us. <laughs> no, it was a Baptist. It was a Baptist church. Oh yeah. There, usually you hear that about. Usually you hear that about Pentecostal churches. Oh, they're snake handling Baptist churches. Is there? Oh, yeah. yeah, I've heard that more. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You have? Yeah. Maybe it's because I grew up Pentecostal that I hear it more. Because I hear people. Because people when I when I tell people that they go, oh, you uh. Snake charming. You're with the snakes. Yeah, you're with the snakes. <laughs> oh, you're the snake people. <laughs> yeah, the snake. And I'm the like the Slytherins. They're like, no. no, man, no. The, the mighty clouds. Joe Lagan. They're like snakes, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snakes. Snakes. <laughs> Mayor Jackson. Snakes. snakes. <laughs> All you we ever, heard was them snakes. <laughs> speaking of which, my favorite. Speaking of churches, my favorite artist of all time is Al Green. Have you ever been? Have you ever played oh, yeah. for him or went to his church? I've never Memphis? played for him, but I've been to a service with him. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh yeah, wow. yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I want to go. I wanted very... to go before I left too, but I did. I never went. Yeah, that's one of those uh, very special things, man. That I that I had the opportunity to do. I'm glad I did it. Yeah, yeah, man, that was really cool, man. And he was up there. He was just up there preaching and whatnot. Yeah, and singing. You know, when he did feels he the spirit. Yeah. Did he sing? He did. Golly, man, I should have went. I guess I could still go. It ain't, it ain't like it's the church is closed. You did you know Al Green had a church? Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you, I, have you I haven't been. It's ridiculous. I probably should have. You, me and you need to go. Yeah, I'm down. He's still alive. We need to go. Yeah. Are they yeah. allowing you to do that now? <laughs> oh, you know what? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Check that out. What's your favorite barbecue in Memphis? You know, I my favorite barbecue in Memphis is a, a place called Fat Larry's, and it's a. Uh, not that far from my house, number one. Very important if you're just in the mood for barbecue, just hurry up and go get it. 
But number two, it's, it's a guy that actually was in the Memphis for May barbecue competition. He won, uh, I think, in like 2018 or something, opened up a shop. And man, he really does it right. Uh, doesn't cut any corners, wow. takes his time and really smokes it. And then you get it fresh. And that, to me, with the bigger corporate ones in Memphis, I see, I, I don't know, I, still, I enjoy them and I like them, but I don't feel like I'm getting it right out the smoker, you know? And right. I, it seems like more times I'm, than not, when I go to Fat Larry's, I feel like I'm getting something a little fresher, a little more ready to have it. I can't speak on that. I've never heard of Fat I've never Larry's. heard of that. Yeah. yeah. yeah Fat Larry. That's great, man. You have been? Yeah, there wow. you go. I'm excited to go try it. You've had Fat Larry's, Ben? Are you kidding me? I thought I tried every restaurant, every barbecue yeah, me too. in Memphis. You just blew my mind. It's a little different. More mom and pop. Yeah, it's a little you bit different. You never had Fat Larry's? Whoa. <laughs> God, I love Fat Larry's. God, Fat Larry's. I love Fat Larry. It's the best. We're talking about a man, not the barbecue. <laughs> Sorry, I got mixed up. I'll tell barbecue. you, even though people knock it because it's so big of a place and it's not, um, it's not really in Memphis anymore. It's, uh, my favorite and I've eaten a lot of barbecue in Memphis and my favorite is Memphis barbecue company. No, no. All right. So here's the deal with Memphis barbecue company for me. When I'm ready to get that kielbasa sausage, that's oh, just yeah. tucked underneath the ribs yeah. and it's got that big piece of cornbread and that they give you the best big plate uh, out mm -hmm. of any barbecue place. I've ever you ever talk about you those stingy yeah. sides? With the trash can lid? With the trash can lid. <laughs> you know, when you can get pork rinds at the table You're before you right. start you the meal, right. you get, they get a check mark from me, too. I it's, took him there, I like that. and I said, look, I said, you're going you gonna to love this place, man. Him, it was you, me, and Gary. Yeah. And I said, they're going to bring us out a piece. We're going to get a, a trash can lid of food a piece. Yeah. And it was I lying? No, it, it's a legit trash it's can like lid. a legit trash can lid that's flipped over and it it looks like i mean it didn't have trash in it but they put the the papers on it and it's got the every every type of meat that they make is on that lid and I you, love it. it's, yeah, it's amazing. amazing and the sides are i mean i don't care what anybody says you can go find i've tried the, the holes in the walls and all these and and i ain't tried fat larry so i can't speak but all of them i tried I, it always makes me i always compare it to memphis barbecue company yeah, and uh, that's hard to be Memphis Barbecue Company. There is one in Memphis called Memphis Barbecue Shop that some people oh, like too. I love that. Uh, it's, it's a little more. I think it's around in Midtown. It's, it's at, on Madison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's a good one too. Uh, people really love that one. It's not as corporate as some of the others, but the Memphis Barbecue Company is always like one of those sleepers that most people haven't tried, and they say they've been to all the ones in Memphis. And you're like, have you been in this one? They're like, none. I'm like, we gotta go. Yeah, it's because like, it's South a, Haven. It's like, exactly. You got to drive yeah. a little bit out of town, but it's worth it. I mean, because 100%. you know as well as I do, a lot of those shops, you you can get like a side of beans and it comes out with yeah yeah a, a thimble, and then you're like, yeah. well, give me a yeah. pint, and then there's like, yeah. Okay, eight fifty. Yeah, yeah. And you're like what? Right. <laughs> what I hate about it is that everybody that comes to Memphis, though, I ask somebody in Memphis who really has not tried barbecue all over Memphis, like you and I have, mm -hmm. and then that person will say, they'll say, "Where should I go?" And they say, "Central." And I, I go, that. "I don't yeah. agree with that." Do you do that? Yeah, I definitely don't send people to Central. That's what yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a big fan of Central. It ain't like it's bad, but it ain't it ain't a place I'm gonna go. Yeah. Hey. You want to try Central? It's you like, know, for Central too. I, I, the best thing at Central is smoked wing. If you, if you, if you haven't had smoked wings, like whole wings, you know, right, right. Like wing for keto for 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 low carb diet mm -hmm. though, it's a really good lunch and really good. Just like it's amazing. Wow, yeah. uh, wings. They got really great smoked wings. For whatever reason, it's it's been a it's been a hit every time. 
uh, which is hard to find restaurants where you say this has been dependable every time. Right. Smoked wings from Central, very dependable. I tell you, a place that's dependable every time too is commissary. You ever been to commissary? Oh yeah, yeah, commissary. commissary yeah, that's good, man. That that place is good too. Anyway, that's enough barbecue talk because uh, I'm gonna you know <clears throat> mess up on my keto because I can't go get no barbecue and not get some potato salad or mac and oh. cheese or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's hard for me for the sauce. But I gotta learn. I gotta take from y'all's the three keto brothers. <laughs> I gotta, take, Cheeto I, I gotta pull from y'all's energy. Cheeto brothers. Bro. Cheeto. <laughs> Cheeto brothers. I wish I could have some Cheetos. Cheetos. <laughs> keto Cheetos. There's, there's Keto versions of everything, man. Oh, there yeah. is. I know oh, it's insane. It really is, yeah. Speaking of speaking of, since we're on the topic of food, all right, we do something in this show called What Not to Eat. Mm-hmm. It's horribly nasty things that the people eat around the world that you might have tried. I don't know. You might be into some exotic type of foods. But uh, we're going to do that now. Ben, let it roll, baby. You might have eaten a few things in your lifetime. I know Chris and Marty sure have. But these are things they would never eat. This is What Not to Eat. My What Not to Eat for today is something called Bird's Nest Soup. It's a soup made from the nest of a swiftlet bird. I have no clue what that is, but the bird builds its nest out of its own gummy, slimy saliva, which turns hard when exposed to air. People die just from harvesting the nest every year. Several people die just from harvesting the nest. So some weird humans decided it was worth risking their life for this nasty. Can we get a picture up on there? Yeah, check this out. Bird's Mm. nest soup. Mm. Put that on a bar. It looks like a marmalade, right? From this, it kind of does. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a really loose Jello. Kind of, kind of looks nice. I'm not gonna lie. Doesn't it? Yeah, it doesn't put, appall me. When yeah. I look at that. But then, you, on some but then you're like bird spit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, <laughs> I see. Honey is bee vomit. Well, is, is it? it? Yes. That's what that's what honey is. Regurgitated bee pollen. Is there a description of what this tastes like? Is it honey like? I don't know. I should have. It's probably really savory. Too. That's a good question. It probably, it probably tastes like a like a like a shredded. You know, like that shredded wheat. <laughs> it doesn't look keto. I can't have it. Yeah, it's, it they probably add sugar. It looks like yeah, it's sugar. Add sugar. Yeah, I would add sugar. Yeah. yeah. Chris, what you got? Man, I got I got a thing called it's called Tcon, and it's a uh, lovingly called raw blood soup. Ooh. And mm. dish is made with. Raw blood. Raw blood. <laughs> of ducks yeah. or geese, sometimes mm. pigs, with peanuts and herbs on top. Oh, good. This has peanuts and herbs. For, for texture. And herbs. Texture and some brightness. It's a typical protein-rich nope. breakfast of the country people in northern Vietnam, but country it's people. very dangerous because of the H5N1 flu virus. Oh, oh. Flying flu. Bird flu. So it's, it's flu soup. soup. It's flu soup. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we have wow. a picture it's, it's, of that, being or no? It's got like a little wang to it. Picture of it. Oh. Oh. They, that, they, the peanuts are looking weirder than that. Oh, it's man. Kind of, it's, it's a little. It's coagulated. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bloody looking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's enough of that picture, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> that, that actually looks better than my picture. Yeah, look how dirty these bowls are. Wow, they made that look like an operation there, or something. Yeah. There's, like a, movie, there's a movie with Eddie movie. Murphy called The Golden Child. It looks like the stuff he was trying to get the kid to eat in that. 
man. This whole segment reminds me of that Indiana Jones scene where they're eating the snake parts. Oh, of is the that beetle. the monkey brains? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you ever watch uh, Fear Factor? Oh yeah. I love that show. I mean, I introduced it to my girls now, my young daughters. They love it. Ugh. And they say, Daddy, you need to go on that show. I said, this show hadn't been on in years. Matter of fact, I don't even think they would even be able to do that show nowadays. Seeing some of the stuff. Oh, yeah. Like some of the stuff they had to eat yeah. and stuff. I don't think that it would, it would fly today. Anyway, moving on. Now that our appetite, we got our appetite up there. It's like, man, yeah, we're feeling good. Now it's like, uh, I'm good. Uh, Stunt a little uh, bit. Yeah, I want to break diet. Make sure I kept y'all on keto. Right. Exactly. right. Uh, now that might be keto. Right. That blood sugar. Oh, yeah, I'm sure oh, yeah, it's yeah, keto. Yeah. Yeah. It might be. Highly keto. The, the peanuts are kind of suspect a little bit, but, That's you know. true. The coagulation might be a little sugary. Yeah, I don't know. What, what are the peanuts, you know, roasted? Are, are, are they like fried and maybe it's, it's a weird grease or something? We should ask them. We should ask the Philippines. <laughs> the whole country? Yeah, hey, Philippines. <laughs> just Explain call yourself. Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> you still playing with two bands or just the band, just the, the train now? I still play with uh, also with Southern Hospitality and, you know, uh, whatever whatever other group we can get together and go out and play a festival with, you know. And mostly it's just friends we get, you know. I start off with the bass band, the train, and then I add to it with guests and, and with other people, and that becomes something else. That's know? awesome. Sometimes we give it a name if it gets a big enough troop of people, you know, where we're all out there, like Southern Hospitality or something else. Mm, right on. Now, at 10 years old, you were playing Furry Lease. I read that. Is yeah. that true? Yeah, that is. Why don't you save some talent for the rest of us? Right. <laughs> you know Furry what? I Lease. You know, I, honestly, I couldn't play a lick at that now. And I don't know how to read music anymore. There was a time uh, at that point where my grandmother, my grandmother now, she wanted me to learn and give me piano lessons. This is on my mom's side, so on the whole other side of the family. Um, I started learning basics and the fundamentals, and I could read a little bit. But the piano teacher told my grandma, she told her flat out, he ain't doing that great. He refuses to read the music. He said, he listens to what I'm doing, and then picks it up and copies it from there, but he's not reading the music. And sure enough, I still can't read the music, not worth, not anything. But I could make my way through for at least at that point somehow or another. I couldn't mm. do it now. Was Did you perform that in front of people or just your Just, just your... like, you know, I had piano recitals and stuff. I'm sure I did. You know, I, there was, I went piano lessons for about two and a half years during that period when I was about 10 years old, nine, 10. And you had recitals and everything. Yeah, I had recitals, you know. So that was your first time performing in front of crowds at that point. Not well, kind of, but with the grandfather and stuff, you know, it was always a raucous, entertaining night. You know, they'd come over for every New Year's or Christmas or any reason to get together, really barbecue, whatever. They'd bring out breakout instruments, and I'd be entertaining and stuff. Before ten, you were entertaining, like oh, yeah, at, yeah. at the at the family gathering. Yeah, like I'd get up and sing at my uh, my aunt's wedding or something when I was like four or five or something. Wow, I got could you blow? Could you blow it four and five? No, no, I could just well, you know, I could just sing like any, you know. Yeah, was it good though? I don't know, man. <laughs> like a lot of, I'm just saying because I, I mean, to it back, you know. But there was a school <laughs> recital where I heard myself singing the "Let's Go Fly a Kite" from the Mary Poppins thing, and I had like a solo section where it was just me singing. And my dad recently showed it to me, like old footage, and I was like, "Yeah, man." I was like, "I'm I'm singing in key." Nice. <laughs> you can tell that's from the family. It must run in the family, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Because a lot of kids that you hear that actually sing later in life, they. You hear some old stuff where they sang before, and they really don't sound that good when they were children. You know what I mean? All right. I don't right. know what happens. I don't know why it is. But <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. 
Do you enjoy the studio or playing live better? Hmm. I enjoy the studio when I'm with other people. If uh, if I'm by myself, it's okay. I'd rather be playing live, but I'd rather be playing with the band either way. You know, live is preferred because you have an audience interaction. I get to tell a story and I get instant feedback from an audience, which is something we're sorely missing now. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. See, I've, I've kind of always been online. So mm. now I've, I've done live shows, but it, a lot of like private shows. Right. So my, my whole thing is live in front of what y'all are doing now. Yeah. What every other musician is doing now. Like I've been doing yeah. that for from the start. That's how I built my audience. You know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever audience I have, that's how, it, that's how it came. But anyway, it's crazy. Cause I would tell every artist, every friend of mine, that was an artist. Like some of the guys here that play with me, They've been playing for years, like out on the road and all this stuff. And I said, man, y'all are so talented. Y'all could be way bigger than me online if you would just start making videos, start putting videos up and start doing things and, and being consistent. You'd be monstrous, you know, and I told them all that. And then it, it's funny how I've been saying that for years. And then all of a sudden Corona hits and everybody's like, man, I got to get online. And then they then they start scrambling. I'm like, man, if you would have just got online <laughs> when I told you to. You would already have a hit, you know. You would have your a foot above before the game. Whatever. The, what's the freaking saying? I'm trying to think of. You would have a your foot in front of the game. Yeah, that ain't it. <laughs> That's what he said, though. You, you'd have a following by now, but you know you'd be ahead of the game. Ahead of the game. Yeah. Son of a gun, my brain ain't working. Ahead of the game. Thank you, Jared. You're welcome, being here. If only for that. <laughs> if only for just that reason only. Speaking of YouTube, you started a YouTube channel at this point. Yeah, I have. Yep, I got doing my, some cooking and doing some cooking. Yeah, I got the little uh, big bite with Wainwright thing going on, <laughs> which is you know out of necessity really, but it's just it's fun. I enjoy cooking because it's it's entertaining. It's a form of too. entertainment. Yeah, man, same here. Uh, so I have people come over even now, uh, close group of friends come over and let me cook because that's what I can do right now. You know, there's not big shows happening. I don't uh, necessarily want to rush out and play small bars. I haven't done that in a long time anyway. So it's it's just weight. It's a weight game. You know, we're just chilling. I'm enjoying the video stuff and, and learning how to do that. I'm doing it all myself. So learning how to set up the cameras, learning how to set up the light, learning how to edit the video, which I do on my iPad. All that stuff takes a tremendous, like a crazy amount of time. I didn't realize, you know, but that's one of the prohibitive things when you're talking about bands that tour live versus someone that's doing it uh, on the internet it takes so much time unless you have a crew on either side it's very hard to do both you know like if you're out there touring to me when i get home man i just don't want to necessarily i just need that time to kind of reset and get ready for the next tour depending on how long i've been out now though i get a better understanding of how to do it i've improved that skill a lot of musicians just haven't taken the time to invest anything in the initial part i need a camera i need lights i need a I mean, you could do it all from an iPhone these days, really. That's what I was about to tell you. Like, yeah. there's no like you. You're thinking of it in the biggest scheme. There's mo- there's millions of YouTube videos that are super viral from artists just filming themselves with, with their the phone. phone. Yeah, like Luke Combs. Uh, that's how. That's what all he ever did before he was a. Now he's a monster artist, but that's all he did. He he set his phone up, and him and his buddies would play songs that they wrote. Yeah. and it wasn't, and he just blew up from that, from Vine and stuff like that. So do you think that it's in in cases like that, do you think it's always a case of though that talent always rises to the top? Because I see so many amazing, amazing musicians put out amazing things on YouTube that never do anything. Yeah. And they're 
great production or it could just be a phone thing, but they're not necessarily, nothing happened with it. And to me, sometimes I think, and for a lot of artists, that becomes like a mystery wizard thing where it's like, why do some things work online and some things don't? Which is, I think, what everyone's trying to figure out. If everybody had the answer to that, we'd all know. And then how do I get into the game without, if I only have this many hours to invest in this, how do I make it worth it to me or worth it to my brand to put something like that online versus writing my next show that I'm going to be performing live and getting that light production together? How am I going to tour there? What RV, yeah. you know, what are we taking? The bus? I struggle with that too. <clears throat> like uh, putting, putting the time into to something that is hit or miss that, like you said, you see people that, that don't really get anything out of, of doing that uh, at least at first. And then, and then it's like, well, I could be doing this. I could be getting ready for the show or, or, or an opportunity for a show. And it's like, it, but, but nowadays it's, it's kind of leaning back towards the, the live videos, you know, it, it, it definitely the, the biggest problem Today, is what yeah. rests between people's ears. And that's the biggest hurdle is getting yeah. over your own mind and being less self-conscious about being on video. Right. I think that's the biggest hurdle initially. And then when you get in there, you go, okay, I finally take a breath. I'm ready to be on camera. And then you film yourself and you're like, okay, this is weird. Okay. You know, like and you do it and you watch yourself back and you're like, mm -mm, delete. Yep. Record. Boom, boom. You do it again and you go, it was good all the way up to that one word, delete. You know, do it again. That's another big And then problem. by the time you, you're you end know, of like, it, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And your voice is going out. And you, you deleted your best take and hours I ago. I, yeah. my I do it all the time. And I'm like, Me too, I'll, man. I'll I've had to get tomorrow, over it. It was yeah. just one of the things Marty knows better than anyone. You know, sometimes you just got to pour your heart out and capture that moment. You know, and that's something that I'm learning now where it's like, man, just Capture the capture how I feel. Capture the moment. If it's a song or if it's the big bite thing, it's not all about the perfect. It's got to be just this way. You can't worry about that stuff as much, man. And, and it seems in the the way the online world works. Maybe I mean you know better than me, Marty. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know too much besides one mm -hmm. thing. There's a million excuses that can be made mm -hmm. for people not getting online. Between y'all two, him, he should be online too. I tell him all the time to. Get on TikTok. He's got these amazing ability to do impersonations and stuff. And I just see all I see is dollar signs wasted <laughs> from all this whole section here. That's all I see is uh, because if I wanted to, if I wanted to tour the country, right, I could do that. I could go and start touring the country and do that. I don't want to do that because I have a family. So I do. I do it, and the only way that anybody makes it on YouTube or anywhere else is by consistency. It ain't by how it ain't by how good your quality is even. It ain't by how good your video looks. That stuff should come later, but it, you shouldn't you shouldn't be wait waiting for. Let me wait till my quality gets so good that then I feel comfortable, hundred percent comfortable that my best product is out there, video wise. If now audio, I'll say it should be as good as you can get it, but it shouldn't be fake. Right? It shouldn't be like he did. I could tell he's. He's wore out by this point. Mm -hmm. I can see it in his face. He is not feeling that song anymore. So me, like, I, I don't do more than probably maybe two takes. You filmed with me. Yeah. How many takes have, do we do? At least seven or eight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, no, but they, and, and I get comments and people say, I love that you're willing to be vulnerable. Exactly. And man. then they That's just, what people are looking they for. They just flock there. in. Right. They want you. That's, That's right. why they're on there. You There's no I mean? reason for you to try to be because if they're listening to me at a show, that's why I don't use, I don't use no auto tune on my records. No, 
There's not a stitch of auto tune on any of my stuff. Cause if there's, there's plenty of notes that aren't hit right on my records. Right. And I'm fine with that. That's okay. Because if you hear me live, if I can't hit that note, you ain't going to hear it live either. <laughs> no, right. And you ain't going to hear it on no record. It can't be faked, man, on that sort of thing either. Yeah. For me too. It's got to be completely real live performance. It can't be auto-tuned or anything like that. Consistency you know, like, is all that it is. You, 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 Cause you, you talk about, well, man, I put this video out and, there's no guarantee I'm going to get nothing. There was no guarantee when you started playing music. There's no guarantee when you started writing it, but you did it anyway because you was, you was going off of the hope and the dream of it, right? When you went to college and you said, I'm going to go after this, this film thing, there was no guarantee you would ever actually make it. That's true. That's the same way with YouTube and everything else. There's no guarantee. The guarantee is that you're going to keep doing it until you win. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Yeah. So, like, that's all I try to get to people because, of course – Y'all have had success in other places. So it's when you look at it now, you go, well, I, that was guaranteed. Like, now that's guaranteed. Like, writing, getting that song and, and playing this show, like, that's, I've been doing that for so long, but it wasn't always that way. At some point, you had to pay your dues. Mm-hmm. Same with YouTube. You had to post a video and, and nobody see it at all. And then you had to post another one and nobody see it at all. And then another one, another one, until somebody saw that one video that then they started revisiting all your other videos. And that I'm gonna get, I got news for you. That keeps happening. I, I'm the same way to this day. I have I have videos up that might have 8,000 views. I have videos that have 10 million views. Mm-hmm. But it's all a pick and a poke. Each video is its own life on YouTube and okay. even Facebook. And then you got to think about you got to battle the algorithm. Right. Which is a whole other issue. So if you're not if if you don't know at least the basics of what you need to do cuz tagging is now done through description and title and tags together, not just tags. So all those things are important to know. And if you care about your music career, right, or you want to build something outside of where all your eggs are in just one basket, then I would say anybody needs that, that, that's listening needs to get on. It don't matter if you're in music, if, you just, if you're a writer, if you're a poet, if you spoken word, whatever you do, you should be putting out content. That's my, that's my opinion. I think it's a shame for all these talented people in this world that create, cause God made us creators just like him. That's, that's what in the image it is. So if you're a creator and you're not, you're not creating every day and letting at least a chance for the world to see it, it kind of, you know, it, what, what's, what is your talent doing? What's your creation doing? We'll do it, daddy. <laughs> we do good we do good hey, i'm doing it you know i'm doing it as much as i can right you now. are doing it yeah you, you you're doing it you are you you, you got it going now i'm not uh-huh. scolding you i'm just uh-huh. saying when people say i'm you know it wouldn't do me no good to say anything to you anyway it's up to you you know there's nothing anybody can say to, to well there's a lot of artists right now that threw their hands up and they don't they go i don't know what to do you know and then they just stopped you know a lot and i'd say in, in our world, as far as touring goes, it's the majority. And they're not online making content right now. Uh, they, every excuse in the, in the world, like you said. A lot of them, a lot of, especially the bigger artists, you don't see going online because they can't live up to the productions that they put together for their live nope, show or anything that's else true like that. Right there. Yeah. So immediately, their fans look at anything as a downgrade. They mm-hmm. look at it and go, wasn't uh, quite the same. You know, next, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever else. And that a lot of people are worried about that to the point where they're not doing anything at all, you know, and that's, that hasn't prevented me. It hasn't prevented a lot of my friends. I think I, I believe in what you said. I think it is consistency. I also think it's getting over yourself and, and not being so worried about 
all these videos being out there forever. They're going to be out whether you play live with your band or not. They're going to people are filming from the mm-hmm. crowd. They're out there. It regardless. sounds like crap when they do. I know, you know, they're, like they're so, out there, you know. <laughs> you know. Well, not Victor's. Okay, not when they film Victor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Victor. I apologize. He don't know. Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of ones. I he wish I could oh, just man. just hit the button and say, "Can you?" Just get this one off you there. Should, you should flag it and do like a copyright yeah, claim copyright. on it. <laughs> It'll pull Remove it. video yeah. now. All the ones oh. sound bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, copyright claim. I'll tell you what, that's, it's amazing how well that copyright stuff works on YouTube. I oh, covered cool. my own it's song cool. and just live solo on a piano without my band and it picks it up. You know, yeah. like mm-hmm. I'm going to play a song off my album for everybody. Here we go. Boom, boom. Copyright. <laughs> yeah. Dang, you know, going through. All right. You know. At this point, it does. You didn't uh-huh. used to be that way. But yeah, like it did. Like when I would do covers, um, back in the day, because all my mine are a lot of acoustic, mm-hmm. and I change them up so much. Yeah, like Ice Ice Baby, for instance, it never got flagged. It could not. It could not register that that was that song. But then recently, now if I if I post a like an old video of me and him, like on stage or something, doing it together, yeah, immediately, and it sounds nothing like. There's none of that in it. You know, it's just an acoustic guitar. So it's really it's really funny how, I don't know if it's manually, somebody's manually coming and doing some of those or what, but the funny, it's it's really crazy how technology is, it's almost listening to words at this point because it has to be mm-hmm. to get that. You know, too, one of the things that I was thinking about as you were, uh, as you were preaching, it was that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend Al Green. <laughs> you, you were feeling the spirit. Is that, you know, that is actually a, Maybe that exists, but for a lot of people, I wonder, you know, if they wouldn't seek some professional YouTube guidance, you know, it, and I know like consistency is the number one thing, you know, putting content out there is step one, you know, but for a lot of people, you know, you, you would think that would be a good job for someone to have a good job description, a YouTube publicist, not uh, that's getting too much into the world of music business right, but you know right. what i mean like oh yeah someone a youtube person that would be like i'll guide you through this man you pay me a little bit of money mm. i'm gonna come and set up your channel show you what you're doing wrong what you're doing right and yeah. i'll mentor you on this thing and get you going because a lot of people it's also a digital wall yeah like oh yeah a lot of my friends can barely operate their phone you know and so yeah. when you're yeah. saying no anyway you got to record your stuff and all honestly man try to you know set up a mic if you can and and then get that and upload it to me on dropbox and that's all you ask, you know? And as I've been putting together videos where I have guest musicians play with me and stuff, like that can become a hurdle that takes weeks to get oh, over. Yeah. For me to explain to someone on the phone, like you have to wait for it to upload. It's going to take a long time, actually. Leave it on the <laughs> Dropbox app. You know, like, <laughs> leave it you overnight. Have to let it upload. Yeah, it's a big file. Did you record it in 4K or 1080p or 720? Right. You know, and like I start learning these things myself so that I can bring in my family of musicians and share the love some too with people that aren't doing anything at all because they're just scared or they're just technologically challenged. Yeah. You know, that way it doesn't come to you picking up a guitar and ripping is could come super easy to someone. And then you're like, upload a video to me on, on Dropbox. And I'm like, nah, I don't know <laughs> for whatever reason I can't, you know, help me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. But it, it, a lot of musicians out there like that, man. Yeah, no well, there's a ton yeah. of those guys you just mentioned actually that, that will guide you through YouTube, mm-hmm. help you do all that. Yeah. Like they're all, I imagine they are. You just got to look probably. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know about, it. you see a lot of their content. Yeah. YouTube gurus. Well, they call oh, yeah, them. I like but watching they, they don't actually, they don't actually like guide you and tell you personally what to do. They well, might, they might have a, 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 a YouTube video that is something similar. No, they all have, 
programs, mentoring programs like Daryl, Daryl, uh, Eves. He, he has a mentor. You can, you can pay him $5,000 and he'll, <laughs> he'll come to you. He'll, he'll look to you. He won't come to you, but he'll log into log your, in. yeah, he'll log in and say, <laughs> I see this and I see that. And then the other, there's another guy called, I think, think media. Or oh yeah. Like I that. like that guy. Think media. Yeah. Young guy channel. with uh fade kind of hair he's got a lot of good advice though i've been yeah. watching those self-help youtube videos you know and just you can uh, pay him to mentor you oh, he has those programs hmm. they all go. have that yeah a lot i of know a lot of the that. patreon programs out there you can get a little more one-on-one uh you know the patreon stuff that some of the youtube creators are doing that's pretty interesting too where you can sign up for their lessons and get like a four people one person instructing and actually looking at some of your stuff i mm-hmm. just found out about that i thought that was interesting a yeah. cheaper way to kind of you know, right. be like, hey, well, I got this question here. Like, do I need to change my channel into a cooking channel or should it still stay music right. entertainment because I'm not getting any views on these cooking? Well, that's because all of your thousand plus subscribers know you as a musician. Like, there's yeah. some complexities there in like navigating oh, that uh, yeah, and I'm... introducing people to how to tap into the cooking market. And, and if I need to spend money marketing my video to that market or just put out, you know, content, content, content. And, it is, man. I, I totally agree with you. And what everyone always says is exactly what Marty says. Consistency. You got to sit there and put it out. I don't go to tour and play one show and fly back home and expect people to know who I am in Indiana from now until next year where I do it again. Like I need to tour back into Andy. I need right. to tour back into that market and continue to do so so that I can build it. And right. then one day maybe sell out the local theater and then one day maybe get to a bigger room than that because it's about ticket sales. The way that musicians need to think about social media and music and YouTube is that is ticket sales. That right. is your future. Right now, for all of our touring musicians, the best thing you could do for yourself is give away your content, which I know a lot of people aren't used to, but put it out there. Whatever it is that you feel inspired to do, whether it's cooking or a vlog or an interview style thing or anything, put it out there and let people soak that up because eventually when you go back on the road and you go back down to Florida and you want to sell out that venue, this is the way. People that might have seen you online now, they go, oh, I mean, I saw your cooking show. You're that guy, man. Yeah, I want to go see him down in Florida, you know. And if that never returns, that's okay because you're still building that fan base, you know. Mm-hmm. And people all the time, man, sure enough, I got a, a, a new T-shirt for the late night with Wainwright thing. And all of those people that love, love that thing that I'm doing, they want that T-shirt. What is you that? You know what I'm saying? Late night with Wainwright. Late night with Wainwright is just a variety show that I do Facebook live. So I go live. I use a, like a switcher broadcast program to run multiple cameras. I'm learning how to do it myself. And I have some guests on and we just do a live broadcast on Facebook, social media. I haven't got into the live because you can't broadcast simultaneously using this software to like multiple platforms. Most of my base are on Facebook. Uh, blues base are generally a little older. They're, they're just more comfortable with Facebook than Twitch or some of the other stuff that some of the our Americana bases in. So right now I'm just been focusing on Facebook and, and testing that out, that live thing. Um, I also like their premiere options where they let you like pre-record a whole show where I can be like a D like a VJ where I'm introducing, like I pre-recorded this video with these friends and this music thing. And this one's called snatch it back and hold it. Or this one's called feels like rain or whatever else. And I did this and here's the song y'all boom. And then I could come back and then, I can talk about my dog or cooking or, you know, whatever else <laughs> yeah, to keep it right, loose. Right. But then I can just introduce fly in videos that have been pre-recorded, And that's really cool, man. That's something I'm learning about. And I like that, that world that's coming a little easier to me than Facebook. I mean, than YouTube, because I have an audience and I can see them and it's a little natural. It's one step in that direction where I can have that interaction that I'm used to. 
when I say something, I say, give this person a round of hearts, and you see, and you see, boom, all these thumbs up or all these hearts, whatever else, there's that thing that I'm used to that reinforces, okay, I'm, I'm moving in the right direction. They right. like this. Let me continue doing this or whatever else. Or maybe I'm, I'm not seeing anything. I'm like, God, I'm boring you guys to death. <laughs> you know, I'm going to change the pace and do something else, maybe pull in a different video or something. That's pretty fun. That's kind of like working something that I'm a little more used to. Yeah. You know? And what I've been doing is taking that live variety show, which lasts about 90 minutes or 60 to 90 minutes. It might be composed of a four segments, a cooking segment, three music videos, and then I've been taking those videos after the live thing, I wait some time, and then I introduce them as their own one thing. So now here's the cooking segment that was on Late Night with Wayne right now. It's Big Bite with Wayne right episode three. Here's another music video. Here's another music video. This one's going to Instagram. This one's going to YouTube. And we've just been trying things. I mean, I spent 300 days a year on the road for multiple years with my career. So I didn't, I didn't, this wasn't something that I was even had time to think about. You know, I was hoping that other people's videos of me would be on YouTube, you know, and like I see people with phones, but now that we're off the road and now that my career has been moving that way anyway, where I'm not spending that, I'm only spending a hundred days a year or 150 days a year touring, just bigger select venues, bigger festivals or whatever else we could do. Um, some of us have families now, kids, you know, just like yeah. you were saying, like, it's just, we're not in, we're not 21. I'm almost 40 years old and I've been touring for a long while though, hard and the blues market, which is unbelievable that you can even do that. It's such a supportive, tight family group. The blues market is just awesome to tour in. And, um, but video stuff way behind, you know, everyone, all the artists just so behind. So now it's really neat. I hope I'm, uh, I can inspire some of my, my colleagues to do more of this and I'm inviting them on my program and trying to set an example of what can be done. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited by it all. And I just try to take this off and, and make it into an opportunity just like I've done with everything in my career. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's funny. You said you started a variety show because I'm actually working on one as well. An online variety show yeah. with the guy that owns this house. Um, he's, he started, uh, is the impulse impulse is coming is what his, he's got a new, uh, network oh, actual right network on. that he's, uh, going to be, uh, uh, doing something with. So soon it's coming soon. So that's right on, funny. Man. I'm going to, I'm going to check you out. I'm going to check that out. I got <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a couple of links, man. And they're, they're, they live on there forever. Once you go live, there's, there's a copy of it there. That's cool, man. I got like a lobby call where the first 30 minutes are like just footage lets people all come in and start chatting. They love it, man. They get in there and start chatting. And it's just footage of my band or like little shout outs for my band members. Hey y'all, Pat Harrington here. I'm up in New York. Really miss you guys. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Victor will be live here and blah, blah, blah. Like we really do it up, man. It's hard for me to put out. Like that's one of the things too, I was going to say is like one of the things that artists have a hard time. I know we're going on and on here, but artists have a hard time getting online too artists like myself because we spend so much time making our live show perfect or we hope it's as near perfect as we can and i'm talking every little thing man i mean every little detail we we put it into this and this is our life and this year we're touring this album and we're putting it in man and then when you get online it's like that that has to change a little bit you know it just not it you, you can't sit here and make and develop the most perfect variety show in the world with like, oh, I just wish we, I could have one more camera angle or, oh, if I could only get the audio quality a little bit better. Let me buy this SLO board and yeah. this headphone amp and all these other things. And I need some more headphones. And like you start doing this kind of stuff like I was doing. And I quickly changed gears from that, like that, that direction, because I knew it was going to be it was going to cost me nothing but time. And as far as this is concerned right now, it's about getting it out there. People yeah. need it now. 
you know. So what is the name of your YouTube channel? Uh, well, I just just Victor Wainwright. Victor just Wainwright, my name, you know, and that, that's what it is on Facebook <clears throat> as well. My or, name is yeah, the Victor Wainwright. It's got a Facebook fan page, Victor Wainwright. Yeah, yeah, Victor Wainwright on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. No, I'm the only one. Yeah, yeah, it's Victor Wainwright on all of it. Victor Wainwright everywhere. Twitter, Instagram. Yep. Nice. One of the other ones. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the other ones are. <laughs> Victor, we thank you for coming. We end every show with an unbelievable fact. All right. I'm ready. All right. Let's roll it. You might think it's not true, but I assure you that it is. It's hard to believe it's an unbelievable fact. Neil Armstrong had to clear customs after returning from the moon. It's a real fact. I guess they wanted to make sure he didn't uh, smuggle anything back from space <laughs> or maybe the desert. If you believe that sort of thing. Cause you know, some people say it was filmed in the desert. It was fake. Man. You know, anyway, that's the show. <laughs> hey Marty, you want some moon rocks, man? I got some right here. Yeah, man. <laughs> moon rocks. Victor, thank you so much for coming out, man. We, thank you we guys, enjoy. man. Thank you for the chat guys. I really enjoyed myself. Sorry for the delay and, it's all Keep good, man. I know you got a long ways to go. Hey, man. Thank you again, guys. So again, good so to much, meet you, man. man. Nice to meet yeah, you, too. Yeah, definitely. God bless you, brother. You, too. Ah, thank you all so much for listening to the Marty Ray Project Chats. And a big thank you to Rode for supplying the sound with Rodecaster Pro. Whether you like what you heard or hated what you heard, subscribe and rate us anyway. Let us have it. Thank you, Victor. Thank you, Victor Wainwright, my buddy, for being on the show. We're going to come eat barbecue soon in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, and let you show us around, and we'll show you around, too, because we're all from there. God bless you, brother. Thanks to everybody listening. I love you all to death. See ya.